I'm Sinead O'Moore, and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to guests about their own unique experiences of parenting. The insane joy and anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, tears, and the moments we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum. From that first nappy change to those messy weaning months, water wipes. Made here in Ireland, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and made with only two ingredients, 99.9% purified water and a drop of fruit extract, making them ideal to protect and gently cleanse sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, Together, we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. Every pregnancy is completely unique. There is anxiety and sickness and aches and pains for sure, but there is also a beauty in growing new life. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Joanne Larby to talk about the beautiful side of pregnancy. Host of the Other Side of Perfect podcast, Joanne is expecting her first baby in the new year. Realizing you have arrived at the exact point in time where you're ready to start a family is a major moment. Here, Joanne opens up about how and why she knew she was ready, her fear that it wouldn't work, the calm when the test showed positive, and how she is preparing her mind, her body, and her relationship for birth. Pregnancy is not perfect. The emotional and physical and mental challenges it brings can overwhelm us. There are days where we feel great and days where we feel defeated, but there is intense beauty throughout. Our bodies are incredible. And in this episode, we fully embrace and champion the beautiful side of growing a baby. Joanne, thank you so much for joining me on Every Moon the Podcast. Um, I am delighted to have you on. You're in third trimester, that final stretch. It is winter. It is time to just pull up the drawbridge, pull those curtains, get cozy and wait for baby. Thank you for joining me. Sinead, thank you so much for having me. And you know what? It's lovely because I've never done a podcast like this. I mean, with my own show, I'm in your seat where you're listening to someone else's story and it's just a time to digest someone else's journey but it's often nice to kind of be on the flip side and talk about something that is just so lovely and and can be an emotional roller coaster for so many women. So uh, thank you very much for having me. You're in the business of presenting the reality of life as opposed to the perfection of life. Um, and I think that is such a wonderful mission because we can place so much expectation and pressure on ourselves, no more so in pregnancy, when sometimes we see a little bit too much of the perfect um, and not enough of the reality. And it's important to talk about the hard stuff, but also when it's going well to really relish the fact that it is a gorgeous pregnancy. And you, thankfully, seem to be in a very happy and healthy one. Yeah, and I think what you've said there is is the flip of both coins. We have to be so aware of, of showing the reality and not showing the perfection, but equally embracing something that is positive because everyone has a prior journey and it doesn't have to necessarily be a fertility issue journey it could actually be a prior journey of negative relationships things that didn't work out putting career first 
and just actually being ready for that time to start a family, which is such a big pivotal moment in people's lives that there's always a backstory to something that even though in the moment it's super positive and it should be embraced, there is always something beforehand. And I think that that's worth acknowledging. And if somebody's had perhaps a difficult road, whatever that may look like, that when that time comes to embrace something that feels so right and is thankfully touch wood going well, then we absolutely should grab it, you know, by the balls, literally, and and just go with it. And there's no, there should be no guilt or shame around that. I think that it's fair to show the reality. And I think it's so important to show the negative flip side, but also not to hide and pretend that your experience is any less than it is, if it is a good one. It's such an emotional as well as physical transformation. I think emotional, as you said there, from the person that possibly you have been or the journey you've been on to, to start thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a mother now. I'm carrying another baby or I'm carrying a baby. I'm carrying another human. This is, this is the start of something new. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's literally, it's literally the start of a chapter that you could have never experienced before. Like there's so many parts of life, whether it is career um, or friendships and relationships that you experience different aspects, but this is something that you only do once for the first time. And I think that makes it really, really special. Is it something that you've always wanted? Yes, 100%. I think even from people who have followed me on my, my decade on the internet, it was very much known that this was what I wanted. It was just down to so many factors. Like, would I have done it earlier than this time? No, because in hindsight, it wouldn't have been right. The environment, my situation, my headspace, my work, what I preferenced, um and and the relationship that I was in there were so many different cogs in the works that made this time perfect but had you asked me did I want children 10 years ago I would have equally said yes um I worked in Montessori for a time and I would have obviously been around children from the two to five age group for a lot of my days uh, during my time working in the school which I absolutely loved it was a part of my career that gives me nothing but fond memories and I dealt with parents and families and their siblings and new babies and the broodiness was in full force, but I think it kind of, I almost satiated that by working in the school. So I was able to be around other people's children and get that fix without rushing to do it myself when the scenario wasn't quite right. Were you ever worried that the scenario wouldn't be right? Yes, 100%. I remember distinctly having conversations with a very good friend of my mine last year and the year before saying um I actually think I say last year and the year before because 2020 is just a write-off <laughs> so I don't even remember when I'm reflecting about if anything happened so it was yeah 2019 and we were actually in Antibes by a pool on a fitness holiday gone of the days where you know you just flew normally somewhere to somewhere exotic and had a beautiful time um and I was sitting beside this wonderful woman who is now a very close friend and we were talking about babies and families and, you know, just having that conversation. And I said very candidly, because she was someone I knew I could emotionally connect with and be honest with. And I said, I'm really panicked that I've left it too late. And that's not because I think my age was too old or anything like that, because people can have babies at so many different times in their life. I'm 34 now, so I would have been 32 then, which is certainly not too old by any means. But I just worried that when I did feel the time was perfect and when I did decide the time was right 
who knows whether you can have a baby or not. I mean, nobody comes and tells you that it will just be hunky-dory and we know that the statistics are are pretty bleak. You know, the one in four women having miscarriages or having fertility issues, like they're they're strong when you start to look into it and think about it for yourself. And I suddenly start to think, what if that's me? And what if I have left it too late? Well, I have these horrible worries that I put my career first for so long that I should have done it the other way around if I come against an obstacle or a struggle. But I just kind of let them go until the time was right um, as much as possible because I was preempting something that didn't even exist yet. And it was just causing a little bit of frantic stress when I wasn't even trying, if that makes sense. So I just thought it was a bit negative to be putting into the universe. And when the time was right, I would I would find out what was in my kind of path and journey. Maybe it wasn't putting your career first, though. Maybe it was just, you know, taking you on a journey to, to the place where you, the person, was ready for this. Yeah, I think I say that a lot, that it was, you know, putting career first. But actually, all of the ducks are in a row now in terms of who I met to be the father of my mm. child, uh, where I'm at emotionally as you say and as a person the amount of things that I've gone through and learned are now things that I bring with me into motherhood and hopefully instill into my own child one day and the journey is is perfectly right like there is no regrets in it and I've never had regrets and I do look back on the way I phrase that and I think it's not really just career it is the whole full sandwich of things and and um, I think when you, when your time is right in, in any sense of whether it is starting a new job, starting a new relationship, having a baby, the universe works with you. It doesn't work against you and it, you are exactly where you're meant to be. So the moment that you saw that pregnancy test turn positive, did you feel you mean, like this you is mean where the I five of be? them? <laughs> <laughs> the five of them that I did to be doubly, doubly, doubly sure. Oh, I know. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, was, it was really chilled and it wasn't the way I had projected it to be. I kind of had this idea in my head when we started trying of the day that I may find out that I'm pregnant. Like, you have no idea. You know, you, you kind of, you can't put a month in the calendar. Like, you literally start trying and you just don't know. So I kind of thread in my, in my head when we started trying that. And it, this is kind of March time. So I had said... If I, if I was pregnant and lucky enough to be pregnant by August, you know, it'd be the summer, the end of the summer. And then it would just be such a perfect time because this, that and the other. And, you know, you just kind of start to visualize it in your head. And I definitely didn't assume it would be instant. And when I say instant, I mean, not, not quite instant, but I didn't think it would be so quick. Um, because I never tried before. I've never tried for a baby before. I've never been pregnant before. So I just had no clue. So I just wanted to, I suppose, set my expectations a little bit lower and give myself that time to enjoy the trying and not be panicked, which is way easier said than done. And um, <laughs> when I did take, I, so, the, so that was the March and in the April when I did pregnancy test, it was negative. And I, I actually fully felt a pit in your stomach lull of, oh, mm. right. Okay, so it didn't happen this month. And like bearing in mind, this is the first month, and I mean this with the most sensitivity for people who are trying for a long time, what that feeling, but I just I just got a percentage of what that might be like. Just a little taste of that. Oh, okay. So it's another X amount of days to find out again and what that journey may look like when it becomes months and years or not at all. And it just opens you to a level of empathy for mothers that you may have had a taste of before 
in terms of just general kindness towards miscarriage and things. But until you're in it, you suddenly go, oh my God, how hard must that be? Um, and so that was that. And I had a little cry, I, which just sounds so silly because it's just like, you know, it's not going to happen straight away for everybody. So it's not going to be like the first time you try. But there was probably a, an element of me that hoped that it would be like that. And so the next month came and I remember um, kind of saying, oh, we're not really trying now. <laughs> you know, we're just... Yeah. We're, we're just having fun and if it happens it happens and it was my mum that I was talking to who was saying like it's, it's only the first month you know like it's really really don't think you're going to have any problems there's nothing to worry about stress and I was like yeah no we don't really mind anyway like if it happens this year it happens at the end of well, the day the, the protectionism emerges so quickly yeah and it wasn't even like yeah that's a good word because defensiveness sounds negative and it wasn't it was just um no it's fine we want this if it happens but like if it's forced mm. it's forced we're not really trying and I also I was also cognizant of the fact that the trying should be a load of fun it, mm. if, if you can make that nice scenario be just having sex and enjoying time and loving time with your partner then amazing but it's very hard not to have it in the back of your mind that mm. oh we might do it on this the day pressure. because that day will be a little bit better than that date and yes <laughs> yeah and if you're if you're a person like myself as well that is I like order and I like organization. I like to plan to not put that into that scenario and make it very kind of loose and not look at the likes of say ovulation kits or looking at having specific days. So I just said, right, I'm just going to chill out and do what we do when we do it. And let's just see how it goes. And we had, I had bought cause a friend and um, a friend of mine has four babies. So she's been through it a lot and she said, if I could give you one piece of advice, if you are actively trying, obviously enjoy it and don't put kind of a date on things. But fertility kits, or sorry, ovulation kits are great. They're just a great way to see where your cycle is at. So even though I tracked my cycle on the likes of the Clue app, which is brilliant for period tracking and things like that, and I've been off the pill for a good few years, I, I had a really fair idea of my cycle, which was regular, which was a good start. But she just said, they're really great to see just where your fertile days are in the month so we agree. had got those uh, like talking about cycles like uh, only by using the ovulation kits did I realize that I like every single month I was not ovulating mm. in the middle of the cycle so yes my period was regular but the place with which my ovulation happened in that cycle wasn't yeah and that's something that only a kit can really help guide exactly. you with because you could be tracking your period for years, which I was on that app for no other reason than to just know when I was due and to just have an idea of my cycle. Um, and I was obviously aware that I wasn't on any sort of contraception. I was in a really good, healthy relationship. So the time was coming. So I just wanted to kind of keep track of that and have an idea if I was regular. And yeah, perfect 28 day cycle, a three to four day period, really emotional the day before. All I could eat was chocolate cake. I'd get really bad cramps, heavy period day, day two, and then it would start to go away. Like it was mm. super in terms of a period, but that doesn't necessarily mean that my eggs were being released or that my fertility was good. Like it doesn't necessarily show the full picture. So we had those ovulation kits with a little smiley face and that felt like my first pregnancy test, to be honest, because <laughs> just seeing something come up was like, mm. we're doing this. Oh my God, it's so exciting. So the smiley face was like a bit of hope that, okay, well, things are things are being picked up on this um and the funniest part is the second month I remember doing even though I was 
totally being chill and not trying, but trying. <laughs> <laughs> I still had a sneaky wee on the ovulation kit and I saw a sad or whatever it is, the sad face or the no face and kind of going, I have it in my app that I should be fertile today. That's a bit weird. And I remember saying to Adam, slightly panicked, I think we've missed my window this month. Yeah. And he was like very relaxed, like, you know, we're we're taking a chill it's gonna happen like please don't worry about it and stuff but I thought how have I missed it but I was I was pregnant <laughs> the reason why I had missed the smile was because I, I was not trying genuinely and we were kind of ad hoc you know just just going about our business as as a normal month as possible but I had decided one day obviously to take out a kit thinking out that was my first up period maybe we'll have sex tonight okay I'm, I'm trying not trying and then the, the face wasn't smiling and I was, I was just so confused and I, I did have that little panic of maybe I'm off or did I not ovulate this month mm. oh god I hope I don't have problems with this and so I was very very much kind of on the ball in terms of finding out it wasn't one of these scenarios that was like a few weeks later or a missed period it was actually around the time where I would have been due my period and I cannot tell you what made me take a test because we really weren't trying that month. I mean, it just didn't feel like it was going to happen at all that month because there was just no real intent. And I was upstairs and I was actually watching a YouTube video doing a little bit of work and Adam was watching a match downstairs. And I just hopped out of the bed and I went down to the press where we keep our medicine and stuff and where we kept the, the sticks. and. Adam wouldn't have seen what I was doing because he was in the other room, excuse me, but he heard me come downstairs and he says he instinctually knew what I was doing and he was kind of going, what the hell is she doing going getting one of those out of the press? Like, I'll let her, I'll let her off whatever she's up to watching the match continued or whatever. And I don't know what made me do it because I didn't feel pregnant. I didn't, I wasn't really late. There was no real kind of trigger to do it other than maybe perhaps instinct kind mm -hmm. of in hindsight. So went into the loo by myself, didn't even tell him I was taking it. And and we would be very, we're very good at communicating. We're very open with each other. It was nothing that I was hiding from him. It was actually because I thought I'm going to waste this test <laughs> because it's going to say nothing. So I'm just going to do it by myself anyway. And um, sat into the loo and I remember dunking it into a cup because mm. I find that a lot easier than peeing on the stick I mean honestly it's one of those things in life where you, it's a little bit more tricky than you than you imagine trying to get it <laughs> on the stick perfectly just end up saturating your hands so I went with the cup and dipped it in and it was kind of instant lines like it was very quick and I my instant feeling was I can't remember what those lines mean that must mean it's not ready yet so I'll just wait the three minutes so I'm still on the loo reading the back of the packet it was like two lines pregnant right yeah no I thought that that mustn't be right I'll just wait the three minutes anyway <laughs> which it did didn't change in the three minutes it just got stronger and I didn't have what I thought would be balloons bursting confetti all over the ceiling oh my god two lines I'm pregnant I had more of a like disbelief very calm oh I'll have to do another one of those because I'm, it couldn't be right so then it was the second test because you get two in a pack and the third. And I thought I better go into Adam at this point because all three were distinctively clear two lines. Yeah. Thought, oh my God. And I think I said that out loud to myself in the loo. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Just repeating <laughs> it a couple of times. 
um couldn't really put what my emotion was other than kind of a a shock surprise disbelief not overly elated or happy definitely not sad just probably disbelief so I went into Adam and I said Adam and he said he knew when I said Adam what I was doing so he paused the tv and I said uh I'm pregnant and he said you are you no you're not stood up and it was it was very chill he didn't scream he didn't react kind of weirdly it was just it was he was the same as me it was very like are you I kind of thought that was what you were getting out of the press but I didn't know what you were doing and is it really can I see them had a look at them and then we kind of had our hug and embrace and like shock moment but I said I still think I should do the digital one you know the one that tells you how far you are just I want to see the words I want to see the words because the lines aren't enough and then I was kind of saying like can you see can you see those lines the same way I can so did the digital one that says how far you are and I think it said two to three weeks um or whatever way it reads it Mm. Uh, because obviously it goes kind of two weeks back from wherever you can see it and I thought oh my god like it but Adam it couldn't say two to three weeks if I if I wasn't it has to be right because the other three definitely say I am and that says two to three weeks which is like more than one to two so it definitely means I am so then the, the tears properly came and the two of us just kind of embraced in the kitchen where we were just like, oh my God. So we booked the GP for the next day and um, it was all very quick. It was just really quick because I only had that taster of the feeling um, and went into the GP the next day and got him to do another test <laughs> just in case to see if his tests were any different to mine. And obviously they'd have to check that anyway, you know, to get you on the system for being pregnant. Uh, I have a lovely GP as well and his wife has just had a pandemic baby so it was a a nice environment to be introed into that and the world of getting set up for maternity care during COVID and that was that and so it began. It's such a, a, it, I completely understand what you're trying to describe and yet I don't have the word for it but that mixture of not intense excitement, elation, screaming stuff definitely not sad I don't know I found it I kind of went very inward Mm. um a bit of a serenity moment you know yeah I I don't know if that if that even describes it but yeah an inward serenity moment of calm and nurture and Mm -hmm. but then slowly some of the reality kicks in and then it's the oh god I have no idea what we're doing yeah yeah and and I remember one of my first thoughts like that was I actually I I have a memory of being on the couch probably a few weeks later having a little cry about will we lose us and will how will we change and oh my god have we done all the things we wanted to do and we want this so badly 100 percent. there's no question about it it's right but I suddenly had those feelings I didn't have before where we lost two years with COVID, we would have traveled much more together. We wanted to go here, we wanted to go there, just us. Oh no, that's gone. And it was fleeting, but it was definitely there. And it was those kind of mixture of emotions and hormones where you're just questioning everything because it's just so, it's just so real and it feels so exciting, but equally you're totally allowed that space to go, I think I'm going to miss us. I'm going to miss just just the two of us and what that's like and you know what Storm going to be like I hope she doesn't feel like she's number two and for anyone listening who doesn't hmm. know Storm Storm is a dog not a not a human but she's basically our child as it stands and so 
not wanting that fear of change. Um, but it, it wasn't so overriding that it was a negative. It was just those thoughts that you, you end up airing together. I think that's really healthy though, because if you don't miss what you're in, then you're not in a good place. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it means that you're ready for a new space. It's just that you're aware of your partner and not wanting to change what you have as well, which is a nice position to be in. Did you, you know, was, was there any sort of symptoms that kicked in that made you go, oh, pregnancy, actually not so much fun? <laughs> <laughs> yes, plenty. Uh, I mean, I suffered really badly with hyperemis and I was one of those ones that, that did vomit every day uh, from probably week six until week 13. Um, so for me, it was pretty quick. I actually kept a little log just on my phone for my own memories and also just to keep a tab on my symptoms to see what my first pregnancy was like, you know, for reference down the line and just, just to have, and it was nice to do that. And when I read it back now, it's so funny because we remember so clearly each of those weeks and those first fragile weeks are so hard to describe because the fear Mm. of losing that baby after that excitement and joy, the keeping it to yourself and not telling anyone else, waiting for that safe, sweet spot of 12 weeks, even though that's not necessarily safe and sweet, you don't know what's coming around the corner. And the symptoms are, for me, they were very intense in that first trimester. So it was definitely a whirlwind. Um, I found the first time I got sick was actually about week five. It was pretty quickly. And I felt just an overwhelming nausea and gagging sensation going down the drive to a friend's birthday party and thinking, well, we can't tell them what's going on, but also it can't be already. Like it can't be so soon. Surely this happens later type thing. Um, so that was my first kind of feeling sick. And then from, from week six, they, they hit with a bang. My booze were excruciating. Like I couldn't touch them myself, let alone let Adam near them. They were off limits completely. They hurt to touch off when I was drying my hair or putting a top on. I started to get veins pretty quickly. There was a bit of road mapping going on at my booze. They just became very veiny which was different. awake uh, awake <laughs> hello and I have huge I have huge boobies to begin with so I thought they can't get too much bigger well they did mm. um and they wait, wait till the milk comes in <laughs> just wait till the milk comes in so yeah they were they were definitely bigger and just different they were heavier I described it like walking around with two kettlebells that were pulling yes. against your skin um super tender nipples unbelievably sensitive i mean just putting them in a bra excruciating i don't think i wore a bra for the first trimester if i'm completely honest um the joy of lockdown <laughs> the joy of lockdown and not having to which was great but then equally the bra kind of stops them hanging in the kettlebell way so i don't know mm -hmm. which is worse um and food aversions they were big so instead of necessarily feeling sick all the time or having cravings, I was just going off stuff left, right and center. And there were certain smells that were so strong that had never been an issue before. I remember being upstairs, having a shower, which is quite a bit away from the kitchen. And I could smell Adam putting oil on, like fry light on the pan. And the smell of the greasy pan <laughs> was disgusting, completely nauseating. And he couldn't believe that I could smell it from upstairs. So the smells are strong, heightened kind of just sense of awareness, full stop. Um, and you just realize this is so cool. It's really kind of like not pleasant, but cool at the same time. And I think I chose to go down that this is unbelievable and amazing and positive route because 
I just felt really pregnant. I think that that was like part of enjoying the symptoms because it felt more real. It was like a tangible, this is happening because you're not feeling the baby yet. It's too small. You can't see anything with the scan. I think most women, if they had a scan at home, they would be looking through their belly at every hour of every day (laughs) to check that everything is all right. And, you know, there's no kind of visual reference to go, this is happening bar symptoms. And although I'm sure it's lovely to not be that sick, every time I was greeting that toilet bowl, I did say thank you because I felt like baby was kind of saying, hiya, I'm here. I'm doing what I meant to. Your body is reacting this way and this is all good. So there was a point at I think like week seven where I wasn't that sick and I felt really good. I had a bit of energy and I was going, oh God, Google, 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 Dr. Google says that this is not good if the symptoms change because it could mean, you know, miscarriage or something like that. And that was something that I had to really rein back in on because Dr. Google was there to have kind of conversations that other women had that were similar whether it's an ache or a pain that you're not sure that feels like a period pain, it's around ligament stretching, but you're worried. I think that that kind of made me more paranoid and there's so many forums out there and some of them are great. Some of them are really informative and they're for women to collectively come together and experience things at the same time. And some of them are woeful because Mm -hmm. it tells you the worst case scenario when actually it's completely normal. And equally what's normal for me is not necessarily normal for you. So I just kind of pulled back in on that and uh, and trusted what was happening in my body and that if I had a good day where I was full of energy and not getting sick, then it was a good day full of energy and not getting sick as opposed to something being wrong and changing. And there's growth spurts along the way and those growth spurts, you know, trigger different hormonal fluctuations and changes. Sleep, if you're not rested, I often found that I felt more symptomatic as opposed to if I was rested, I felt really good. Every mm-hmm. single body is different and every week of pregnancy is different. And I, I completely agree. We get so fixated because we're in a state we've never felt this vulnerability before. We have never, ever felt the potential for such heartbreak before. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the impending potential loss of something that you love so quickly. But also, I think that for me as well, like I've thankfully touch wood been a very healthy person. I haven't spent time in hospital and it was all very new to have these appointments and have this worry about your body functioning and thinking about your health and the health of your body and its ability to carry another human and create it makes you look at health in a completely different way. And I think that I was just, just so much more cognizant of what I was putting into my body, whether it was food how hydrated I was, how much movement I was doing or not doing. Was I sleeping too much or too little? And you start to question your health much more because it's the forefront all of a sudden for so many women that perhaps has never stepped foot in a hospital before or never needed to think about their health. It's worked just fine for them. But pregnancy is totally different and it throws so many other things into the works that it's a pressure on our bodies. That mean, you know, things don't necessarily work that perfectly and we have to kind of change and adapt accordingly and of course it's a new kind of pressure on a relationship because I certainly found and from conversations here with other women it's it's it marks a change where you're no longer just choosing each other you now really need each other yeah and I think that that is where your relationship comes to the forefront and any flaws will come to the forefront but also any positives and strengths will come to the forefront because I know that one of the things that I've always said about Adam is 
he is incredibly caring and it's in a way that comes very naturally to him um he's a kind person through and through and that sounds sometimes like such a blase word he's kind it's just so meh but actually it's a personality trait that I didn't always necessarily look for Mm. and that came with Adam and embodied loyalty respect um comfort all of those things that actually you need in a secure relationship down the line that is you know a a good breeding ground excuse the pun and a good (laughs) (laughs) a good home for starting a happy family in life because that kindness is so integral to minding you when you are vulnerable to minding you when you're not feeling well to appreciating what your body is going through and not being kind of just naive to it and not caring Every step of the way, I have been lucky enough that Adam, as a partner, has not only been supportive of each of the symptoms and stages, but actually interested, genuinely interested, wanting to have the same apps that I do, wanting to see what week we're at and what the baby looks like and what part is growing at that point. And just like whether it's sitting down and watching one born every minute, which he thought he would never do because he had absolutely no interest in it. Um, and why would you? as a young man who is not trying for a baby and he kind of went from thinking certain things in the past whether it's previous relationships or previous scenarios may have been gross don't gross him out anymore and there's such a a change in your relationship where I think somebody put it perfectly that I was talking to recently where the sexiness goes out of the bedroom the moment you're heavily pregnant when your partner has to push you out of the bed (laughs) in the morning because you're not quite able to roll and lift yourself and I thought it's so true though it gives you a depiction and an idea of your elderly age together old and gray helping each other because your health is deteriorating and like that's not sexy and having to change a catheter if somebody is sick or having to hold someone's hand when they're getting you know, post-operative drugs or all of those parts of life that can happen when we're older, I think start during a relationship dynamic shift when you're pregnant because you are reliant on somebody else when you're not feeling good and also because you're so delicate and fragile. It's a tenderness. Yeah, and I think that that softness is, it's either innate in someone or it's not. I think it can improve or decline if you're in a situation where you're pregnant. Um, and I think that it made me definitely appreciate him tenfold for his ability to just be aware, aware of where I'm at, how important this is to us and also to function and kind of work full time himself, but not forget that I'm there. Given how much then that he was and is displaying all of the things that you've just described, I imagine having to be excluded in the way that COVID has has made so many men must have been really challenging. Yeah, it it makes me sad and it makes me frustrated. And I equally think about every other woman who has been in this situation as well. And I think the mental health aspect of having the support during pregnancy, whether it's a partner, a boyfriend, girlfriend, mother, friend, whoever is your kind of birthing accomplice. Yeah, your person. to not have that is it's soul destroying because your mental health deteriorates. You may not be in a strong enough position or relationship. Perhaps you aren't, say, in a romantic relationship. You're relying on a best friend or whatever the the partner is to go through that with you. Like the nerves that come with scans and consultation visits are 
insane. Like I could never put into words how nervous I feel. I don't genuinely think I take a breath when I have a scan mm. because I'm so focused on, is the baby okay though? But is the baby okay? But is that size okay? But is that okay? <laughs> you know, I turn into this person that doesn't have much of a vocabulary when I'm in that room and having that partner there to ask the more factual questions or to pay attention to the screen when you're not taking a breath when that gel is on your belly and all you care about is that the baby is alive and um, it's hard to describe because I suppose going through that on your own and especially the likes of labor um it's just such a support system it's just someone to actually be your second brain when that emotional kind of brain comes to the forefront and you you lose all sense of, of factual thought it's it, i always find you just you're so braced that you don't even hear the good stuff yeah and i try i, I wish i could replay the scams that i've had because i feel like i was I was present only for one reason, which was to see that it was okay. Yes. But I would love to watch the baby kick again. And I would love to watch the baby move again and just kind of have that joyous moment. I mean, I remember with our um, anatomy scan and thankfully Adam was allowed to that one because that was at the point where they were allowing partners at the 20 week. And I had my 20 week scan at 21 weeks and four days, I think. So it was a little bit later. So I knew baby would be, you know, a, a decent level of development to get those readings. But I had also been warned that sometimes they can't get all of them because of the way the baby is positioned. And we're almost two hours from the hospital, which is um, a part of our situation that's a little bit less than ideal, I suppose, for the likes of labor and emergencies and things. But anyway, fine. So we went in and um, super nervous, obviously, the whole day. I actually had puked the whole ride to the hospital. I don't know what was going on with baby, but I got a surge of hormones where my morning sickness kind of came back with a bang. And I had had that a couple of times going to the hospital. I think it's just being in the car. It, it seems to kick off my nausea a little bit. So I was kind of going, oh, shit, I've got an empty stomach now. And I'll wolf down this water. We got a couple of rice cakes in the garage. Um, and went in and the baby was fast asleep back to my back <laughs> in the most awkward position mm -hmm. the most camera camera shy position you could get firstly seeing baby at 21 weeks versus 12 weeks dating scan was incredible the growth was insane the fact that they couldn't you know it goes from seeing the full fetus moving about in your womb to just seeing partial imagery and, and that's crazy to just try and understand it, it's very I find it really hard to put into words but I know that there's a baby in my belly mm. but I find it really hard to believe it and it's mm -hmm. watching the vertebrae and watching what your body has done and going oh my god all those bones on the back and that's a little foot and how did I make that I wish I could see inside my belly and believe it and you're watching on the screen it's almost attached because you're watching on the screen you've seen them before and you're going but this is my baby oh my god this is what my body has made and do they have 10 fingers and 10 toes? Is it okay? And oh my God, the midwife has gone so quiet because uh, she's trying to do the readings and do, you know, adding it all up. And it's just so nerve wracking. It goes so quickly. But I remember just at the heart chamber pictures, she could not get baby into a position where she could get the, the perfect reading that she needed to tick off that it was okay. She was like, everything looks fine. And I don't want you to worry at all but I cannot get a reading because the baby is like behind an anterior placenta as well. So the baby is behind the placenta looking at your back, fast asleep with its hands over its chest. I can't get the heart chamber readings. So you're going to need to come back. And I was like, 
oh, I just want to leave the anatomy scan feeling like everything's okay. Mm. And now I have to kind of worry about that one last thing. And no matter how much the sonographer tells you, everything looks fine to me, but I can't put it on paper until I've got that measurement. You still think, but what if? So we went back and believe it or not, when we went back, the baby was in the exact same position. (laughs) And I thought it's got to be the car journey. Whatever way I sit in that car for two hours, baby goes nice and cushy cozy into the back and goes asleep. So I was armed with fizzy jellies and Rocky Balboa motions up and down the steps of the hospital before I went in to try and get baby moving. Mm. And the sonographer was different this time. She was lovely and she said, look, I know you're two hours in the hospital. We'll get it today. Baby's in a bad position again, but it's all right. We just have to get the one reading. So go into the bathroom there, empty your bladder, take some water, do some jumping jacks. We'll try again. Baby's still not moving. Okay, great. Fantastic. This is really irritating now. Then I ran outside, went for a little walk. And, you know, even just the walking in the hospital during COVID, you can't just pace because, Mm. you know, you're not meant to be there. You've got a mask on. You're trying to avoid people who are waiting everything kind of changes where you're just super aware of being too close to other women or making someone feel uncomfortable. So I went outside the hospital, then you have to go through the COVID check again when you come back in, all of these little things just to get baby moving. And I downed about 10 fizzy, fizzy jellies. Um, when we went back in, baby was nice and active and moving around. She was able to get, she's like, heart is perfect, chamber's perfect, there you go. We just needed that reading for the paper so that was that but it's just all those elements all of a sudden made me realize that this is just so fragile it's just so delicate like every reading every every time you're kind of back in to see baby there could be something wrong or there could be something not quite right um and and being further from the hospital definitely makes me aware of those I suppose how important those visits are and that they go as well as possible because it's not just that easy for me to nip down the road to the hospital if I need to. Which brings me to how you're feeling about the preparation for birth. You know, if (laughs) if you're feeling that way trying to get to the scan, in my head I'm like, I'm already feeling like, okay, have you the bags packed and have you the route (laughs) planned? Have you what's the plan B? Yeah. So I mean I say that my I hope I don't come across as like too nervy about those journeys. It's more so the awareness of the length, the length of, of, of the car ride that we have. So we have done where basically Adam will be in Cork City the odd time for work. So he has done a few different routes to work to kind of judge, okay, if there is a traffic jam here or there's roadworks here or this is closed off, which is the quickest kind of alternative route. So we've done that. And we have it down to pretty much, if we need it to, an hour and 36 minutes. So my plan, in as much as one can plan for labor, which is absolutely impossible, is to lighten labor at home as much as I can for as long as I can. Um, and when that time comes where hopefully I'm, I'm progressed quite nicely, we're going to do the back of the car in such a way that I'm not having to sit and undo the laboring that I've done by being in a car in an awkward position um, and kind of have almost a duvet in the back and whatever is whatever is allowed and safe Mm. um obviously being aware of that with the car as well but having an opportunity to even stop the odd time and just get on my side or get on all fours or to go for a little walk and little things like that and obviously the hospital know how far we are as well so we're going to have that phone call to say you know do you need me in now and then equally 
I'm hoping, and what they have said is when people live rurally or in the countryside, it's not as easy to go. You're not dilated enough. You need to go home. They know we're far. So what we've decided is potentially booking either an Airbnb close by or something like that. So there is a safe spot or accommodation if needs be for Adam to go um, so that he's not in a car or he's not, you know, God knows what will happen when the time comes with COVID. But uh, fingers crossed he can be with me. But equally that if we are sent away, we're not doing that journey all over again because that's just not feasible. Um, It wouldn't be right for I suppose the taster I've had, thankfully I've been low risk throughout this pregnancy. So I've only been in for my data scan and the anatomy scan so far. And obviously my consultation visit and those journeys definitely show me that baby gets into a very comfortable position, but not necessarily an ideal position. So I want to work with that as much as possible so that the baby is not compromised kind of with that journey. Because we can't help but scenario plan. You know, and sometimes those days of scenario planning are scenario worrying and sometimes there's scenario excitement. But certainly you just can't help but think, well, what happens if this happens and what happens if that happens? Because it is one of the biggest days of your life and yet you have no idea when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. Yeah, and I think that my definitely my kind of scenario projection, if I was to look at it, is mostly excitement. I mean, that day can't come soon enough. And yet I'm not rushing it either because I'm enjoying the last phases of this and, and loving it. And time is going a little bit quicker now, I'm finding. And I, I hear it drag I hear it drags in the last few weeks, but right now it's it's just flying by and um I don't want to kind of rush that away. And I'm aware with Christmas and everything, it's just it's such a busy time anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, that that time will fly and yes yeah, so it's mostly overriding excitement and positive feelings but there is that but what if I give birth in the car <laughs> you know <laughs> and what do we do there and look people have given birth in car parks it's happened before and people have also given birth up the mountains with absolutely no help whatsoever back in the day when labor was wild mm. and free and so I just feel like whatever my, I feel calm in the knowledge that whatever my destiny is with this labor is, is my destiny. And I can't really change it too much for feeling really positive about it. Are you tuning into that sort of maternal empowerment? Yeah, I feel very like it, it, labor is animalistic. Like you yeah. are, you are doing something that is going with the motion of your body, the surges, everything is working in tandem to hopefully do this. And I think that mentally I've gone through a decent amount of my life and that the mental side of things, I feel very strong in the fact that whatever physically is going on, I'm able for it. And I think that mental is, the mental side is huge. It's, a, it's such an important component of that kind of going with the body and not against it. And also going with things that are out of your control and not against them because, you know, I could have the most and I'm really happy with my birth plan and and everything that I would like to happen but I also have to be at peace with what baby decides on the day and what's safest for them and what you know the experts decide it's I think you're so right it's so important to work with it as opposed to against it and like that that you said around kind of women giving birth on mountains and things like that to to remember that our bodies our bodies will just start working in the way that they're supposed to. They will take over. And what I found most helpful was allowing my brain, instead of living as though my brain is in charge, which we do every single day, our brain tells our bodies kind of what to do. 
actually it has to become the other way around and we have to yeah. just tell our brains to leave the building and let our hormones our bodies our contractions take over and that's a really hard thing to do because you know we're controlling women we're strong we like to plan we like to be in charge we like to have it all sorted and actually it's the first time in our lives where we have to say none of that works right now none of that will serve us yeah absolutely and I think that there's something primal and amazing you know I use the word animalistic our body takes flight like it, it the woman's kind of Role is the wrong word because it would be insulting to someone who doesn't want to have children or who can't have children. And role just seems, it seems wrong. Um, I think uh, in that scenario where you have created the baby from scratch, you have to trust that the body that you have made in yours, your body can labor. Like you, what we, what we make and what we have the ability to create must come out so we have to almost trust that we trusted the process thus far and if you think of those 10 fingers and toes and fingernails and eyelashes and everything that develops which is so intricate and amazing god if we can do that of course we can labor you know like this is this is a given um and our body is made to do it in that moment if all is 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 well and right in the world and and you know you it's for you then hopefully it will go exactly as it's meant to. And that's not to diminish one person's scenario or a birth over another. It's that exactly as it's meant to is the sentence you need to pay attention to. It is however your labor and birth is meant to be, it's meant to be. And it's the way that it was, um, you know, designed for you and, and how your body kind of goes through it and, and processes it. I was in bed the other night holding my baby as she slept and I was inevitably on my phone. And I read the post that you wrote about how you've started to spend more time in the nursery and hold the clothes and wait to find out who this baby is. And it was just, it's just so touching. And there I am holding mine and I felt exactly the same, just wanting mm. to know who they are. Because as you said, yes, you're pregnant and yes, there's a baby growing inside you but it's a little person that you're going to meet. Yeah, and it's, it's that detachment that I was trying to explain earlier where you're looking at the screen of the scan and you know that it's the baby that's in your belly and you believe it to be true, and yet you don't until it's true. There's this weird waiting and longing and excitement that cannot be described. I say to Adam every morning, and it sounds so soppy, and you can turn off the podcast now if you're <laughs> listening and you hear it and go, oh, Jesus. But I mean it with my hand on my heart that I wake up every day like a kid at Christmas because the excitement that I hold for the baby in my belly, it's not like anything else. It's, 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 it's not tangible and yet it's right there kicking you in that moment. It's, it's just so hard to explain. And putting the energy into the nursery was really important to me. I had so many messages saying, oh my God, you're doing the nursery so soon. It's too soon. And I said, well, it's not too soon for us because this is what's right in our scenario. And what I believe in is a lot of affirming thoughts and manifestations and positivity and filling that energy into that room with love, whatever happens. Because even if it doesn't work out and it's not right, none of that energy was wasted because it was positive and those cells are being passed to my baby in that moment. And nobody can tell the future and what will happen. But 
spending time in there and letting little Storm go in and play with the socks and the toys and sniff around and say, it's the baby's room, it's going to be the baby's room, is getting things ready for what hopefully will, will come and what I'm so, so grateful and appreciative for. And I just don't take it for granted, not for one second. Like, as I said, when I was getting sick over the toilet bowl, I don't remember complaining and that's not making me a martyr. It's just, I was so, the overriding feeling was gratitude the whole time. And I think that that made everything else just kind of pale in comparison. It was like, yeah, this is happening and it's a bit shit today and it's a bit sore, it's a bit uncomfortable, but like wouldn't change it for the world. And that post that I wrote was just waking up one morning and exactly how I described it was what happened. And it was a journal entry that I had done for the baby and Adam and I kind of tend to wake up around six because he's in work. And when we start talking to each other, the baby starts to kick. I just even find that so unbelievably amazing. Like it's starting to establish a routine with us and it wakes to his voice or he rests on my belly and it kicks his cheek. And like, I'm extra appreciative of the movement as well, because I think I mentioned I have an anterior or front, front placenta. So I wasn't sure how that would be for me. Um, because it is cushioned and I obviously am not a thin person so I have fat as well and I thought I really hope I'll feel everything and movements have been really good thank god you know down below and to the sides and now they're getting stronger and I even get the odd little kick through the center which I always think how is the baby strong enough to Mm -hmm. do that like that's amazing and I'm just wowed by it all and I feel that it must be weird for you to read a post like that with your baby in your arms because you're living it going, I felt like that too, but now you've got the tangible person in your arms and you just feel that extra burst of love where you're saying, it worked out for me and what she's talking about and she's hoping will work for her is in my arms. And it's just this amazing cycle that women can kind of relate and and go through together. There is nothing, nothing in this world like meeting your baby. Um, and it really does not matter the gender there is nothing like that moment where you meet your baby and that's all it is to you in that moment it's not a boy or it's not a girl it's just your baby Mm. that and that's funny Adam says when when we have had those conversations of you know do you think it's a boy do you think it's a girl and like for the first trimester I was hell-bent that it was a girl and it was because of my symptoms I had kind of seen, and I know this is different for everyone, that if you're very sick and you don't really get a glow and you feel a little bit drained, the girl is taking your looks. And the way my bump was shaped, I was like, it's a girl. And then once I got into that, the kind of the scan point of the 12-week dating scan and the 20-week, I thought, that's a boy. That's got to be a boy. I, I've had that overriding feeling at the scan. I mean, you're only seeing you know images that are bounced off sound and bones and so you really can't tell and we obviously preface to the sonographer please 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 do not accidentally tell us what sex it is because we don't want to know and she was so good and she said okay I'm going to get you to turn away now and close your eyes and not look for the next few minutes and I said there's definitely a willy there <laughs> there has to be a willy there because you know something must be so obvious and Adam said no the exact reverse could be there as well that there is no willy there and you'd see that it's a girl so we just kind of laughed for a while about that. And he says that when he feels the baby kicking and he goes to put his head on my belly at night or, you know, we read little stories like total losers and um, chatting to the bump and whatever. And he says he's just feeling our baby. He doesn't see a boy or a girl. He's not loving a boy or a girl. It's like genderless. It's, it's quite a weird thing to explain, but I'm sure you understand. And when you don't find out the gender, 
you just love the being that's inside you and I guess that's a really good metaphor to carry on to their life when they're older because you are just loving them as the human that's being created whatever way they look like act like you know and and whatever is is down there it just it just doesn't matter it's just you just want it to be all well I'm so excited for you I'm so excited as well it's just great I could talk about like I just love pregnancy I just love it I love talking about babies I love and you know I always did but this is just a new sound I just have such an appreciation for women I have such an appreciation for every single one of your listeners who might be listening to my journey and theirs is different or your previous guests who have had peaks and troughs and and whatever they're going through like we're Trojans like as in we create a second heart inside our our body and it just makes you appreciate women and bodies and like what we're capable of and people who have gone through whether it's miscarriage or fertility issues or IVF or whatever their scenario is you go oh my god I feel you I understand and I get it because even though it hasn't happened to me it's as precious to me and yet we second guess ourselves yep all the time I wish I was where you're at. I wish I was at the beginning again. I would do it. Not that I say I want two more, but I would do it all over again. I would go back to where you're at with just a couple of months left. With just a couple of months of those precious days where it is just you and Adam still. You know, and I, and I mean that as much as I love motherhood and love my girls, I still also would love a few of those week back, weeks back because they are so precious. I love that it's winter. I love that it's Christmas for you. I just wish you such a glorious, soft, cozy, hibernation time. And I cannot wait to find out that your baby, no matter the gender, is here. Oh, thank you so much. That's so lovely. It's like, I feel like you're, I'm in a Marks and Spencer's ad where they're like explaining the decadent food and the coziness <laughs> and the fire is crackling and you've got your little, you know, cup of hot chocolate, you're going through a Christmas market and you're big as a house and, you know, we don't need Santa to, to come to the house because obviously I'm just going to be Mrs. Claus myself with a big <laughs> belly at that point. But uh, yeah, just super excited and I really appreciate all the well wishes. It means a lot. These will be the best days of your life. Enjoy them. Thank you. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Water Wipes are made with just two ingredients. Our 100% biodegradable, plastic-free and compostable wipes. And the winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2021, including Best Baby Wipes so you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review, share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest at Joanne Larby on Instagram. Talk to you again next week.